Kilna and welcome to this episode of Better Off Red. It's episode 70. This is not an exercise. Oh. Um, yeah, this is an episode. We are trying to um, carry on, um, <laughs> which seems so ridiculous. Anyway, um, this is an episode I just wasn't going to miss. Nothing was going to stop me. Um, in it, I get to talk to Oscar Upperton, um, the magnificent poet, um, and we talk about Oscar's poem Two Thieves and we also talk about Bill Manhire's poem Kevin um, which appeared in Bill's book Lifted which was um, published by Victoria University Press in 2005. Um, Oscar's book uh, New Transgender Blockbusters um, is just one of the most magnificent things I've ever spent time in the company of it is just a magnificent collection of poetry um yeah it's formally daring and um beautiful and poignant and yeah it's it's just magnificent and I love it very 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 much so I was very grateful that Oscar agreed um after our um plans to meet person to person um were um scuffled I don't know if that's a word where you know like we weren't able to do that so we recorded this over um, the interwebs and um, therefore the sound is a little bit different from what you might be used to um, and yeah and it's an amazing chat I had such an amazing chat and um, we got to talk about um, Bill Manheyer's poem and we got to talk about rhyme and we got to talk about form and we got to talk about humour and yeah it was just a fantastic fantastic chat and I hope that you enjoy it and um, at the moment I don't think you can get a copy of New Transgender Blockbusters which is sad but you can um, read um, Oscar's poem which I think is called Dutch Instructions I'm just going to check that it'd be bad don't ever it's on page 20 of this book I know that much it is called yes Dutch instruction that appears in the VUP reader um, which is a free ebook that Victoria University Press have put out um, with almost everybody whose work they're working on at the moment in it and it has that poem from Oscar also um, it's very easy to find Oscar's work online and um, if you Google Oscar Upperton um, I'm sure you will find some of his poetry and in this um, in this we talk a lot about some of the poems that are in this book and also Oscar reads Two Thieves which is really great so I hope you enjoy this podcast and um, yeah have a really good day and thanks heaps for listening Okay. Um, hi, Oscar. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you going? I'm really good. Um, this is the first time we've recorded an episode of Better Off Red on um, this app, and it's very exciting. How are you? Um, are, are you finding it okay? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> <Very clear. laughs> that sounds really good. So um, I'm very grateful that you've come along today. Well, um, come to your computer today um, <laughs> because we are going to talk about your book, 
um, which is just magnificent. And then we are also going to talk about a poem by Bill Manhire. So I really appreciate it. You've um, chosen two poems, one which is um, from your book, um, new transgender um, blockbusters, and one that you did not write by Bill Manhire. So I was wondering, which one do you want to start with? Oh, um, should we start with Bill Manhire? <laughs> that sounds like a good place to start because then we can um, talk excitedly about um, your poem as it, you know, works with the Bill Manhire poem. So you've chosen Kevin, yeah. um, one of my favourite poems. Do you mind reading it? Yeah, sure. I, I put it up on a tab. Here it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I feel so intimidated because I, I feel like Bill Manhart, as well as being a very good poet, is really good at reading his poems. So I'm going to just murder this. Um, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> uh, so it's called Kevin. I don't know where the dead go, Kevin. The one far place I know is inside the heavy radio. If I listen late at night, there's that dark celestial glow, heaviness of the cave, the hive. Music. Someone warms his hands at the fire, breaking off the arms of chairs, breaking the brute bodies of beds, burning his comfort, surely to keep alive. Soon he can hardly see, and so quietly he listens. Then someone lifts him, and it's some terrible breakfast show. There are mothers and fathers, Kevin, whom we barely know. They lift us. Eventually, we all shall go into the dark furniture of the radio. Oh, man. I thought that was a, I thought that was a great reading. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I noticed some things in there that I've never noticed before. Like, I, I didn't realise there was that great rhyme between... Um, no and radio and go and radio i hadn't noticed that before because i hadn't read it out loud to myself can you remember yeah. when you first like met this poem um i i don't remember specifically but um i think it was probably when i was about maybe 17 or 18 um and i'd just gone to uni and kind of just started reading poetry um and this was, I think, probably the first poem, really, that I was like, oh, wow, like, that's, that's what the fuss is about. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and it was my, um, yeah, and it was my favourite poem from then on. Uh, and I was mostly just reading Bill Manhire for a long time. <laughs> it took me ages to read anyone else. Um, but, yeah, so I just, I just remember immediately um, being really drawn to it. And I think it was that that rhyme and also just that idea of, of going inside the radio I was like oh that's such a cool idea um so it, it really stuck with me from then yeah I wonder if we could talk about that a little bit like sort of the travel of the poem like it, it, we really do go inside the radio eh? yeah well it was funny because um yeah I I never really I was never really sure like um where the where the person is in this middle bit where where it says you know someone warms his hands at the fire is he sort of i i kind of always imagined this person in in a cave because there's this mention of the cave um earlier and then he's sort of lifted into the radio um because he's lifted into this terrible breakfast show which just sounds like the worst hell um <laughs> but um yeah I, it's i i think you're probably right that 
yeah, it's just sort of being in this darkness and having this um, this sort of desperate fire that you're trying to trying to keep going. Um, yeah, it kind of um, yeah, I like how it goes. It sort of goes into the the radio, and then there's this mention of the cave, and then the hive, which are each really different places. But then you have this kind of like the darkness of the radio in the cave, and then kind of the buzzing of the radio in the hive. So they've all got something kind of in common. Mm. Mm. quite interesting yeah because this someone really interests me like i i really love the way um like i'm always interested in this shift in perspective like um i don't know if that's i mean i don't know if that's what it's doing but just this way that um the someone in the radio is listening and so is the eye of the poem like the narrator's listening as well Mm -hmm. and i was wondering if maybe there was some shape shifting going on (laughs) but yeah um What's that? Hopefully. <laughs> I always like a body that's moving around a bit. That always yeah. makes me <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, um, so, yeah, like, th- this this poem has, like, people in it. And I think that your poems, to me, always seem very peopled. And I'm just wondering, I'm not so interested in whether poems have real life counterparts, like whether there's a real life Kevin, but I always feel that once a person's in a poem, the weight of them is there, like their their body is there. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder, like, what are your thoughts about the people in this poem? Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think I like having people in poems. I think there's not that many poems I like that don't have people in them. Um, Yeah, I think each of the, like, I feel like everyone in this poem is quite mysterious. Like the speaker, I mean, I guess you could assume that it's Bill, but you don't really know who they are. You don't know who Kevin is. (laughs) You don't know who the person is who's got the fire. And then someone else lifts them. You don't know who they are. And then you've got, you know, there are mothers and fathers, Kevin, whom we barely know. So it's sort of everyone is is quite mysterious and kind of like shrouded in secrecy. But you're right, at the same time, they've each got this kind of weight to them. And yeah, they're sort of where, where the interest is in the poem. And you kind of, I really, I always really feel for this person with the fire. <laughs> it sounds like this horrible situation. <laughs> And then to be just like bombarded with the terrible breakfast show. Like I feel like I've woken up that way a few times, like with the radio blaring. And I was just thinking like there is this mysteriousness in it yet. Like, I mean, the name Kevin is just so perfectly chosen. Like I was, um, you know what I mean? Like that's what I think. I don't know. That's why I think I was drawn so because I, I have a similar thing to you where like I, I hadn't read much poetry and then I found Bill Manhire and I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> and he just has this way of making things mysterious and the, I'm looking at this word celestial, you know, like these yeah. sort of big ideas and then it all comes down to this statement, I don't know where the dead go, Kevin. Like it's just <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> Now, my next question, I realise, is a bit dumb now that I've noticed those rhymes, but I was just thinking, this seems like a free verse poem to me. Uh, I I feel like you know a lot more about form than me, but I'm just wondering how, and I, you know, like that second line starts with the word music, and I'm just wondering how does it get its musicality if it's not through like a steady rhythm or a steady set of syllables or something, do you think? 
Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I think, I mean, I, I don't really, I, I like form, but I just find out about it by Googling. I don't really have a very deep knowledge um, of it. But I think, um, I mean, this one has, has that rhyme of no radio glow, and then it sort of drops away when we have that shift of perspective, but then you have terrible breakfast show, so it gets picked up again. Um, and I think that kind of leads you through the poem a little bit. Um, but I think I think what I, I don't know if this is an answer to your question, but um, what I really like about it is I think that rhyme is, um, you know, it's the, same, it's the same rhyme throughout. I mean, there are a few other little rhymes in there, like hive and the live and things like that. Um, but there's this kind of the same sound throughout the whole poem. Um, and it's quite like an open sound, like no radio. It's, it's quite open and it's kind of like long and drawn out in a way. And to me, that's like, that's the sound of the poem. Like when it says music, it's like that's, that sound and the poem are kind of saying the same thing about this kind of opening out into a, a mysterious new world. Um, so to me, like that's, when I first read the poem, I wasn't thinking of all that, but the more I read it, the more I've kind of taken that from it. And I, I really like that about it. Uh, and I think that's, you know, like just having a, a form or a rhyme can be helpful, but having that, uh, in lockstep with the meaning of the poem is, is pretty cool. I have no idea if that's what was intended, but, <laughs> but that's how I read it. Isn't that great about poetry? I was just thinking that, like, this is such, I'm about to say a dumb thing because I always say dumb things, but I was just thinking what a freaking joy poetry is in that way, is that, you know, I can read it over and over again and it, like, gives different parts of itself to me and, and like, I'm a different person every time I read it, so I read a different poem mm. and it's just so great. And, yeah, I was just noticing... Um, there's those odd sort of half rhymes like night and hive, but you're right. Like that, that mm. O noise just seems to, I don't know, like you're right. It, 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 even though we're talking about close spaces like caves and um, there is something really open about it. And I didn't notice you're so right. The way that it falls away in that middle verse and then comes back again. Like it, it's almost like hive leaps us into fire and then we go, Oh, it's just so good. Oh my gosh. And I hadn't <laughs> thought of that before either. Like this idea of ordering something around the sounds, like that really mm. is kind of what rhyme does, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Because <laughs> English is such, I don't know, English is such a tricky language to rhyme, but it works so, so well. Um, now this poem, we're going to talk a little bit about this poem in um, relation to the poem that we're going to read of yours, but we'll just hold off reading that because um, this poem, I think, well, there's a Kevin mentioned in the end of your poem, and I'm just wondering, um, why do you think this poem of Bill Manhai has found itself into your poem two thieves um and do i have it i may have it wrong it may not be the same kevin yeah no 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 it's you're totally right um <laughs> um yeah i mean i think well the poem that that i sort of um thought i would i would read for this podcast two things um it's for my dad and I think this this poem, Kevin, I guess because it was sort of the first poem I latched on to, and he really liked it. In fact, he might have introduced me to it, I don't remember. Um, but 
we would talk about it a lot and sort of read it to each other. And so it was kind of a, a connection, I suppose. Um, so I really think it's kind of just as simple as that, really. I was writing this poem about my dad. And so naturally this, this poem by Bill Manhai came up because we'd probably been, we probably had a conversation about it the day before I wrote my poem. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not a very deep thinker about these things. Um, and, and I think in terms of sort of theme or like, I, I don't know, like message or whatever, I mean, the, this uh, Kevin, um, to, to me anyway, is, is basically sort of about death. Um, and, and my poem, Two Thieves, is not about death. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't think they're really linked in that way. I think it's more just the connection between me and dad in this poem um, that kind of made it, uh, helped it get its way into, into what I was writing. Yeah, I was just thinking that thing you're saying about deep thinking. I was thinking, isn't that the perfect way? Like, I think I'm at my best when I'm not deep thinking when I'm writing. Like, I feel like it's just, you know, like, I just feel like when there's space for the writing to unfold itself, it's just so, it's wonderful. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, I wonder, like, this, um, I wonder what it means. I don't know if you've got any thoughts, maybe not even in this particular situation, but I'm just wondering what it means to have someone else's poem in our writing do you know what I mean like um I was just thinking like sometimes I write about songs in my fiction mm. and I wonder like sometimes I'm doing that to signal a time and sometimes I'm doing it to signal a mood and and then I realize that maybe not everyone has heard the song that I'm talking about and mm. I just wonder what it means like yeah what it means to sort of take someone else's poem and put it in 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 a poem yeah, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I think it's kind of interesting because I, I don't I don't think about that as something that I do, but I but I definitely do it. And I mean, in, a, in another poem of mine, I I mention you because <laughs> um, you're, you're proudest moment author. of my life. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think with both of those, it's um, uh, you know, it's it's people that I really admire, and I think. I'm just sort of thinking through this now. I haven't really thought about this, but I suppose um, I would feel really uncomfortable doing it about someone that I didn't like. Mm. Um, like to me, it's, I guess in a way, I'm probably not thinking about this when I write it, but in a way it's sort of, um, uh, what's the word? Just kind of being like, yeah, this, this is someone that I've learned from that I, that I really admire, I suppose. Um, and I think putting, putting Kevin in there um, it's mostly just because it's me and dad, but I suppose it does also, even if I wasn't intending this, it kind of sends um, a signal of like, this is one of my influences, or this is a link that I see my writing having with um, with another writer. Um, because I would say Bill Manhai would be one of my big sort of influences. Um, so I guess there's that. Like, I feel like if a poet mentions another poet, the, the sort of natural assumption is, well, you know, that that must be an influence or, um, you know, something that informs their writing. Um, and I think that's probably true. Because um, I, oh, sorry. No, no, you go. <laughs> I was just going to say, I just love the way it builds like these echoes and almost like this ecosystem, you know what I mean? Like, um, mm. like uh, that's what I've really enjoyed. Like, I really enjoyed reading this poem again and then um, 
yeah, sort of like watching the two poems talk to each other. I think it's really interesting. And again, there's that wonderful thing that I feel like as soon as I introduce something else, I'm out of control of the connotation. You know, like I, I, I um, surrender some control to the reader mm. um, in that they may have had a different relationship with that poem, which I think is really nice as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really neat, isn't it? Oh, it's just so great. Hey, I wonder, um, I've got a question to ask, but I think it might be better if we read, if you'd be willing to read mm -hmm. Two Thieves. I'm just going to duck down here and pick up your book so I can follow along. Sure. <laughs> I have your book now. And so this is the last poem in your collection. Yeah. And yeah, would you be willing to read it for us? Yeah, I can do that. Um, it's called Two Thieves and uh, it's got a dedication for Dad. That. <laughs> uh, mushroom clouds are what we pick mushrooms under. It's not stealing if it's between lightning and thunder. The rain starts its hill to seaside sidle. There's time still for a minute's plunder. The sea is a storm. The sky is tidal. The gutters hold familiar idols. The day is closing up on us. Our bag is full. We've not been idle. You've forgotten where your haunted house is. I don't know the words to I am the walrus. You don't know when my train is leaving. I don't know which is the edible fungus. We like mushrooms best when they taste of thieving. At home we turn the beetles up to eleven. This bag of mushrooms was not a given. We don't like Kevin, but we both like Kevin. Awesome. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> that was such a great reading. Oh my gosh. So um, there is like, there's this quite funny joke at the end and I feel like it's a real Manhai-esque joke. You know, it's it's dry as tinder and it's very funny because, and I just realized of course that um, this is a visual pun joke. Um, So the last line is we don't like Kevin, but we both like Kevin and Kevin has, um, you know, uh, what do you call those things? Speech marks. Uh, yeah, quote marks. Do we call them? I don't know, quotation marks? Yeah, that's it, quotation marks. So we kind of realise we're talking about the poem, Kevin. And I just wonder, like, there are there are some very funny lines in this book. And I wonder, I mean, this is a hard question to ask because the minute I ask it, it becomes unfunny. But um, do you have any thoughts about humour and poetry? Um, I have many thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think... It's it's very weird talking about this in the context of my poetry because I would hate to give the impression that I think any of my jokes work. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure how funny I am um, on paper or off. But um, I, I mean, I really like um, funny poems. Um, I I don't know if like like when I write when I wrote this line. I mean, I I suppose it's sort of a joke it's sort of I mean it's not really a pun is it um but it's kind of like wordplay um but yeah it is what you said about um it being a I guess it's a visual joke because you have to see that the second Kevin has quotation marks around it um I suppose you also kind of need to know that Kevin is a is a poem um <laughs> or, although I, I guess you could maybe assume it was a song or something and, and it would, would kind of work um Anyway, but I, I only realised that when I read this at a reading for the first time, um, and I read, we don't like Kevin, but we both like Kevin, and then there was this really confused silence, um, 
which I had I had heard before um, at other readings, but um, but yeah, and then I of course thought, oh well, I have to remedy this, and launched into an explanation, which um, which only muddied the waters further. But um, <laughs> but it, um, yeah, it, it does it doesn't really work out loud. Um, I think what I think what I find quite funny about it, and this is maybe just me, is that I'm introducing a second Kevin. Um, because we already have the mysterious Kevin of of Bill Mannheim's poem, but now we also have the Kevin that me and Dad don't like. Um, <laughs> and this poor guy, um, yeah, who I, um, you know, I haven't um, seen him for years and years, but we didn't like him. Um, and he's now immortalised in this um, in this line. Um, but yeah, so I yeah, I mean, I really like. I mean, I for example, um, Freya Daly Sagrum is someone who I um, I've heard her read. I don't know if you've been to her reading. Oh yes. But it's you know, I mean, very moving, but just so so funny as well. <laughs> um, and I love that. And I'm not not that kind of uh, poet at all. I I couldn't do that um, that kind of amazing stuff that she does. But um, I I do think there's um, a lot you can do with with humor and poetry. Um, and it just makes it more fun, you know. Because often, I often think, um, I often think about Bill and his kind of dedication to the riddle, which I know isn't a funny mm. thing. It's more like a um, game. But I do, yeah, I often think about joke as a form, and I think that it's really interesting to look at it. And when you come across it in your work, I just, I really, I, I actually do think there are some amazing moments where, um, I think that's the other thing about humour is that, um, well, it's a very, very culturally bound maybe, but also like it, it does this thing where it sort of holds two things at once often. Yeah, I just mm. think, I just think, and, and that's a perfect example of it because like Kevin being compared with Kevin, that's, that's what the joke is. Can you remember when you, can you remember writing this poem? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it would have been, I think, about 2012, probably. Um, I think it was like 21 or 22. And um, me and Dad had agreed to write each other poems for either Christmas or maybe birthdays. Um, so I got a poem um, as well, which is um, completely different. Um, but yeah, so I wrote this for him for, I think it was Christmas. Um, and he was living, he was flatting with this big bunch of people in this, um, in this house in the country. And when I'd visit him from Wellington, we would go out and pick mushrooms. So it was sort of, uh, just kind of going from that, um, just sort of the things we were doing at that time. Um, yeah. And the, and the first, I, I wrote the first line first, which is generally a good place to start, um, and then I kind of wrote it pretty much out of order from then on. Um, but it started with that sort of idea of picking mushrooms. And I think um, we keep referring to your dad. Yes. Um, your your <laughs> dad. <laughs> is it a secret that your dad? No, it isn't, is it? Um, no. Your dad is, of course, the poet Tim Upperton. That's right, yeah. eh? Yeah, yeah. Correct. <laughs> that could be embarrassing <laughs> if there was another dad. Um, yeah, and he is... He is an incredible poet, um, a lot like you. Um, <laughs> and I just, re I really love that idea of you two sending poets, poetry to each other. I think, yeah, it's a really nice idea. Um, that <laughs> first line is blooming clever as well. You know, mushroom clouds are what we pick mushrooms under. Oh my gosh, so brilliant. 
so brilliant. That's just so good. Can you talk a little bit? Sorry, I, I'm obsessed with form and people find it annoying because, as you say, a lot of people don't kind of, you know, they, they, yeah. I'm just wondering about the form of this poem. Like, it has this really cool, yeah, it does. It has this quite formal sort of A, A, B, A rhyme scheme, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it's, um, so I, I started with the idea of uh, mushrooms, but also um, I'm going to forget. I feel like I'm going to get the title of the poet wrong with this, but um, Stopping by the Woods on a Snowy Evening by, um, is it Robert Frost? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's the one, um, uh, these woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. I don't remember the rest of it, but I remember that bit. Um, such a great it's poem. The same, it's the same rhyme scheme. Yeah, it's such a good poem. Um, it's the same rhyme scheme as that, pretty much. So um, not the same sounds, but... Um, you have under, thunder, sidle, plunder, and then the sidle rhyme is picked up in the next stanza. So title, oh, idle, us, idle, and then us is picked up for is walrus and fungus. So it kind of like each each stanza links to the next, and then the last stanza is all the same rhyme. Um, so I just kind of I, I don't really know why I thought that would work but um I just wanted to do that and then at that time I was quite obsessed with um uh things that rhyme but there's, there's a word for this but things that rhyme um but are spelt really differently like um sidle title idols or thieving eleven Kevin you know they're, they're all spelt in a different way but they do rhyme pretty strongly so I was also kind of trying to um trying to do that yeah, I just, I mean, like, it's that weird, this is when I think form and content and music and everything are just coming together so beautifully in a poem, because that had not, I didn't realise, I knew there was a link between idol and sidle, but I, it hadn't occurred to me that it picks up, um, you know, it picks up that, that thing, and I think that maybe it is that visual thing that title is spelt different to sidle and mm, idol, yeah. yeah, oh my god, it's so clever. <laughs> and, and like, What's that? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about about clever, but um, yeah. I mean, I think that's. I mean, I think it's also like. I mean, I just write do these things for myself. Like, I don't. I don't feel like the reader has to has to see it um, for it to work, or, or hopefully for them to enjoy it. But I, I quite. I just like the challenge. Oh, and actually, it's not actually a challenge because, like, if you write this, like, I just wrote the rain starts its hill to seaside side, or not not thinking. And then I've suddenly got the rhyme for the next stanza. So in, in a way, it kind of writes a poem for you um, as well. So it's actually quite a good uh, rhyme scheme, you know, if you're stuck on, like, where do I take the next stanza? Because you, you'll already have your rhyme for the next stanza. Um, oh, yeah. So I kind of, I don't know, for me, that's, it's, it's kind of helpful to have these things um, because otherwise I, I get a bit stuck. Because that's, I think that was something I was talking about asking was this idea. It seems very productive to me, you know. Like I, mm. I mean, I've done exercises with things like what's it called, Villa Now and sonnets and stuff like that. And I'm always surprised how at first it seems like a constraint, but really, it 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 ends up being quite productive or something, eh? Yeah, I mean, I can't. I I hardly ever will write um, without any um rules <laughs> like I'll, <laughs> I'll say you know i'm gonna write a, a villanelle and it has a footnote 
at the end of every line and then those footnotes make a sonnet or something and then i'm like okay oh I'm my god now can we that that poem is unbelievable <laughs> oh my god there is a poem in here that has footnotes that make a sonnet um, yeah. And the way that I found that out is because you have this amazing poem called Poetry <laughs> Exercises on page 53. Oh, yes. Which lets you just, I mean, um, where, I'll read the last four lines. A poem with somebody missing, a poem about a bus, a villanelle whose footnotes form a sonnet, a poem with nobody missing. And, like, there's this incredible, I, mean, I don't know, like, I just, you get this amazing re-experience of everything you've read because, I think that what this poem is doing is describing the poems that come before it. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I don't know if it does it um, exactly, but um, a poem about a bus. I mean, there's a poem, I think, called The Bus, <laughs> so that, it's very cryptic, that one. Um, and and then you have Homesick, which is just uh, the page before, which is a villanelle, um, and the footnotes um, are a sonnet. Um, the poem with somebody missing is um, is Carmen. I don't know where that is in the book, um, but that's about uh, Carmen Rupert, um and and how she's sort of gone. Um, I don't know what the poem with nobody missing is. I didn't. I wasn't thinking of specific poems for all of these lines, but um, <laughs> but it kind of got more specific as it as it went down. Um, yeah, I kind of like that idea of having a little um, like. I don't know. I often think of, of poetry as being a little bit like writing a, a cryptic crossword. Um, yeah. And and I kind of like the idea of having a, a bit of a clue as to what what one of the, one of the poems was, that there was a, a sort of a, a somewhat secret sonnet um, <laughs> in the footnotes. I, I don't know if that adds at all to the reading <laughs> pleasure oh, of anyone, but I enjoyed writing it. It really did to me because, I mean, that's the thing about a book of poetry is te I tend to read it from beginning to end. That tends to be how I read it. Mm. But this gave me this whole new way into it. Like it was almost like the there was a new way, like it almost like in a video game, it kind of leveled up, you know, like it was just, I just loved it so much. And of course, my I was desperately, um, yeah, the, the, and of course I did because, I'm not as smart as the average bear. I went through and was go, just going back and going, oh, this must be the poem with this, and this must be the poem with that, and this must be, yeah, it was it was very bizarre. But, um, yeah, I just love it. There's, there's another poem in here um, that I wonder, oh, I just need to tell you, I, I can ask your permission now. That's embarrassing because if you say no, it'll be. <laughs> I'm doing these little exercises that I'm recording for people, and I used your poem, um, Sacrificial Poem, Oh, um, cool. as a basis for the exercise. I hope that's okay. It's so fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love this poem so much. So it's on page 62. Sorry, this is very unprofessional. I'm looking oh, no. at the book as we talk. But yeah, um, it's called The Sacrificial Poem. And um, it's just so great. Um, <laughs> and and I was wondering, going back to um, Two Thieves, there's a line in here that says, um, oh, I'll just read the whole thing because there's a great joke in it. So um Oh, actually, I'm going to read the whole poem. There you go. One poem, it's called The Sacrificial Poem. One poem has to be the worst one. There is no shame in saying this. Look around. One of them has to be the shittiest. Here is a cliche. Look. Look at it. An exclamation mark is a terrible thing. A rhyme is a terrible thing. And we must never rhyme words with themselves. This is necessary, like putting down a puppy because nobody loved him. 
There must always be a slowest dolphin in the pod, a shabbiest lettuce in the garden, a least loved key on the key on the keychain, a worst person in the room. So, like, there is a bit of rhyme in this book, and I'm mm. wondering. Obviously, you don't. I mean, this 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 poem is. Um, you don't have to stand by the line, and we must never. Um, you know, a rhyme is a terrible thing. But I wonder. Um, rhyme does get a bit of a bad rap sometimes, doesn't it? And I'm just wondering, like. I loved your idea of talking about how you like rhyme that doesn't look like rhyme. Mm. And yeah, do you have any, you've said a lot, but I'm just wondering if you have any more thoughts about it. Yeah, um, I mean, I didn't realise, um, I think it was very recently when I was, um, I was looking for modern rhyming poets, because I, I don't really read like that very widely in poetry. I mostly just read New Zealand authors and, and not very many of them. Um, and I was looking for new pots, and so I was putting something into Google around, you know, modern and rhyming. And I came across all these articles saying how rhyme is really uncool. And I was <laughs> like, oh, no, I didn't, no one told me. Um, <laughs> I, I had no idea that I was, that I was being uncool. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, that, wasn't, I, that wasn't really something in my head that, that I was, um, you know, that, that rhyme is something that is maybe not in fashion. But, um yeah, I mean, I think I I quite like, um, well, I, I just really enjoy rhyme, and I, I like this idea of, you know, rhyming words with themselves, which has always seems very lazy, um, and you have that in this poem, you know, an exclamation mark is a terrible thing, a rhyme is a terrible thing, so you could say that it is rhyming with itself. Um, and, and also, you know, an exclamation mark is a terrible thing. With that, I was actually kind of thinking a bit about... Um, you know, some some poets uh, like I think um, Hera Lindsay Bird uses a lot of exclamation marks, and I think that's something that is sometimes seen, not specifically with her, but um, you know, it's seen as like that's not what you do in poetry. You're very quiet and, and pretty when you write poetry, <laughs> um, and and I think that's so cool that she just goes for it. Um, and so it's sort of just picking out things that I like um, that. Um, you know, uh, maybe maybe some people see as being terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and it is such, I mean, that's what I think is so magnificent is that, um, you know, the, the poem just becomes so beautiful. Like it starts beautiful, but it turns into something different at the end, the sacrificial poem. Like it, it does this amazing thing where it starts one way and ends another and is just, Oh, I just, I just love it so much. I, I really, really love it. And um, I think that rhyme thing's so interesting. I um was listening to, uh, I can't even remember who it was, but there were these lectures online, and they were talking about um, like the spectrum of rhyme and how a word rhymed with itself is the most perfect form of rhyme, and then you move further and further away to that to some of these very sort of you know very distant kind of rhymes. And I'd never thought of a word in itself being a rhyme and then I started thinking about how it's almost like building copies or something I don't know I just I, I really I'm, I'm quite obsessed with rhyme at the moment I, I love the way um sometimes it can you know because I think of all the connotations that I bring to rhyme if, if I see it it really you know like it stops me in my tracks and gives me you know um not so much in poetry but I think in prose sometimes it can give me a real kind of grind and I'm just like oh I love it it's so good it's so good um I I think 
I do want to ask you about one poem, which is not the last poem, and I don't know if you'd be willing to talk about it, but there's a poem in here called Caroline, yeah, which has sure. this form, which is just, I think it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen as far <laughs> as form goes. And do you, do you know what the rules of that are? Like, could you explain the rules of, of how that's constructed or is it, yeah. is it something not rule bound? Uh, it's exceptionally rule bound. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm happy to talk. It's one of my favourites, so I'm I'm very happy to talk about Caroline. Um, it's kind of hard. Uh, I'll I'll try to explain it, and and hopefully it won't come across as, as absolute gibberish. Um, I wrote it in Excel. Um, so I wrote the so it, it's it's sonnets, which I mean I just use that to mean a fourteen line poem. I don't really know the rules of a sonnet. Um, but I wrote a fourteen line poem, which is the the first stanza. Um, and the first two lines of that are, in the beginning there was nothing, there was nothing for a long, long time. And then I set up kind of a, um, you know, I, I, I'm not very good with Excel, but you can do that equals thing where one line equals another line. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I set it up so there was another 14 line stanza under that one. And the second, let me get this right, the second line of the first stanza is the first line of the second stanza so you, you basically for the second stanza you lose the first line um and you lose the last line so you yeah you chop off the beginning and the end of the first stanza to make the second one and then you add two new lines into the middle um so with each and then you keep doing that i so i did that six times um and so with each stanza you're getting new information you're getting new lines but from the middle rather than from the beginning or the end um and does that make any sense <laughs> oh my god i see now i see now this is just i mean god I, sorry i'm ah, you've blown my mind because like, <laughs> the effect of reading it for me was this very um it was almost eerie you know that feeling um like the uncanny mm. it almost felt like the uncanny because it was kind of like hang on, this is the same, but it's not the same. And <laughs> how come I know more now than I did before? And Excellent. yeah, because if you, um, yeah, it, it makes, it makes perfect sense, but I am looking at it. Um, so like the first stanza starts in the beginning, there was nothing, there was nothing for a long, long time. I want to play in the sandpit, said Caroline. Might I be allowed? Might I? And then the next stanza starts, there was nothing for a long, long time. I want to play in the sandpit, said Caroline, so on, so on. And then, mm. yeah, there are that, that, oh my gosh, you're so clever because <laughs> things are embedded in the middle. Like I was looking for all these like I just oh my gosh I was looking for all these answers to the rules kind of in the top and the bottom you're right like I was trying to work it out like in the first lines and the last lines but man there's so much clever stuff going on <laughs> oh my God. and also I just want to stop and say uh you used excel yeah yeah that is just Oscar that is so I don't know that's genius well I tried to I started by writing it in word and but then because every line pretty much every line repeats <laughs> like one to six times. And so if you change anything in one stanza, it's very easy to lose track and not change it correctly in the other ones. So yeah. when I, as soon as I'd written, I think I'd written two stanzas of it and I was like, no, this has to go in Excel. Um, <laughs> and, and because I've set up a, um, so I, and, and because I set up those equals thing, that means like if I change, 
like if I changed um, uh, a middle line that appears in every stanza, like so long to go, oh Caroline, oh Caroline, if I change that in the first stanza, it would automatically change in all the other ones. Mm. And so now that means I can use that um, spreadsheet as a template to write other poems in the same form as well. So that's quite helpful. Um, oh but this did take ages to write, so I'm not sure if I will write another one. Like that. <laughs> Do you um do you have a do you have a name for this form? <laughs> oh, I, sh I I don't know the the exploding sonnet. I um oh that's perfect. <laughs> well, I was I, I I just made that up. Um, but um the, the idea was because it is kind of in a way it is about an an explosion or mm, a, mm. um a, a, an event like that, and so the idea of opening out from the middle um was quite interesting to me. Uh, and having but also having things lost along the way um, and, and also having, um, I mean, I don't want to spoil the ending, but you kind of lose like, like the sort of the, some of the sort of the happier or the more innocent lines um, you start to lose towards the end. Um, and it kind of gets sort of darker and darker, I suppose, because um, you lose those, start to lose more and more first and last lines. Um, so, so all of those things to me kind of helped with, um, with what I was trying to uh, trying to say, yeah. and I think, like, I mean, um, oh my God! You see, this is why you are the genius, and I. Am <laughs> no. But like, but like, I just think, you see, it would have been enough for me to do the trick with the Excel. I'd just be like, oh yeah, there you go, that's clever. Oh no, clever, you know. Like, <laughs> and, and, but to be able to get that movement, and I think poetry is so often about that movement, isn't it? Like the movement, and it does do that. This poem, like it. It does move into I don't want to say darkness because that makes you know I don't know that seems like light to dark but like it does there is an innocent that innocence that's lost throughout it which is just so matched by the form like I mean the form's not there to be clever and like I was just thinking how um, now that you've explained the form I get this real sense that each time something sort of pushes its way into the middle and things fall off the side, you know, like almost mm. like tectonic plates shifting up or something, which I think is just, it's so brilliant. Oh, yeah. I just love this poem so much. <laughs> oh, my God. I love the whole book. Hey, I, my final question, I think, sure. um, is I'm just wondering, um, Two Thieves is the last poem in the book. And mm. I'm just wondering about how you ordered the book like um it seems it's a very nice um like it's that great thing where it seems greater than the sum of its parts if you know what I mean like it seems to tell a story in the order that it's in and I'm just wondering yeah how how do you decide on a last poem and how do you decide hmm. on the first poem and all the poems in between yeah um well it, I mean so this book um I've written it the, the poems in it I wrote over the last 10 years so mm -hmm. um there's quite a lot of different you know some of them I wrote when I was like 18 or 19 um some of them I wrote in the last sort of year so it's you know they're quite spread out in terms of their things so when I was organizing it the first thing I did was I was like okay I've got all these sort of family I think of them as like the family poems mm -hmm. um which are kind of about family members or, or sort of growing up and stuff and they're usually the the, the old ones um and um two thieves is kind of in that category um but, but i wanted to put it at the end as a little bit of a sort of dedication to dad i suppose um mm. 
but so I had the family poems and then I had what I think of as the weird poems um, <laughs> which are ones like um, uh, Juggernaut um, where I, I give a lot of bad definitions for the word Juggernaut um, <laughs> there's some ghost poems uh, some science fiction um, all that kind of stuff there's one called The Stitch Alive which was inspired by the new animals just so you know um, <laughs> about turning into a, a, a snake or a fish or something um, so yeah so the, the weird stuff and I sort of thought well those are kind of two extremes so I'll, I'll put the family stuff at the front because it's, um, it's maybe a little bit more accessible and um, uh, also just in terms of like the, the old, mostly the older poems and then I'll put the weird stuff at the back so if people don't like that stuff they can avoid it easily <laughs> um, and then the middle was basically an attempt to bridge the two extremes um, so it kind of goes a little bit from a little bit from I suppose the ordinary to the to the weird um, I guess and and the other sort of organizing principle I had which I think I kind of lost along the way was I thought just for balance um, that Caroline should sort of be towards the middle because it's by far the longest poem I, I don't write very long poems but it's about four pages um, and it's not quite in the middle but um, it's sort of near near the middle um, yeah, so I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't actually think, like, once I had that, it was sort of like everything kind of slotted into place pretty easily. Um, I've also got Dark Knight. That was a little bit of a organisational um, help because I've got these four poems called Dark Knight and, and each time it's basically the same poem but reduced slightly. Mm -hmm. um, and that occurs sort of at the start um, and then uh, breaks up the rest of the... The book so I, I think it's quite helpful to have those tools like I've seen a lot of a lot of poets sort of have like part one or um or sort of like specific like signposted breaks and I, I haven't really done that but I kind of did it with the with the poems themselves I suppose um, yeah it's an incredibly um satisfying read and like I think there is something again it, it, it feels like the poems take up physical room so like that idea of balancing I think is is really interesting um I've got I've got a question that I didn't prep you for but I'm really dying to ask um because I know it was tough for me like I um I wrote my first book and I felt like I'd been writing it for a really really long time and then eventually it was time to finish that book and mm. I'm just wondering how you're finding finding writing like you know like all those 10 years have sort of gone into this first book and is it exciting to sort of start again or is it daunting or yeah I don't know or maybe you've maybe this is your book maybe you're happy <laughs> writing poetry at the moment I don't know Oh, uh, no, I'm, um, I'm just writing more and more. I mean, at the moment, I'm actually, um, I'm writing full time. Um, when I say that, I mean, I'm writing for about two hours every day. But um, <laughs> that's all I can keep <laughs> that's up. That's full but, time. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really focusing on it at the moment, because I'm really enjoying it. Um, but um, yeah, no, I think it was, it was really good, actually, because I, I wasn't thinking about this. But I think, it, it let me, um, be, being published, I suppose, um, let me put, put all that writing down and pick up something new. So I am writing a, um, another book um, that hopefully I will manage to finish um, and hopefully it won't take me 10 years. Um, and, and it was really good. I was like, right, I'm going to do something completely different. It's going to have um, 
you know, I, I like this idea of having a book that has a, a narrative. Um, I was really, really like uh, Chris Teaser's um, book, How to Be Dead in a Year of Snakes, um, like that idea of a book that has one kind of singular purpose. Um, so I think dropping dropping this book and being like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this with these poems um, kind of allowed me to feel free to, um, to take on another project. Um, so yeah, I think it's really. I think that that's that's like I was just really excited to be be published and 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 wasn't really thinking about um, anything else. I was just like, oh, this is so cool. But um, actually, it's great because you basically can just be like, okay, that that segment of my writing career <laughs> is done, <laughs> and I will now move on to phase two. Um, <laughs> so that's quite I, for me anyway. That's how it worked, and um, I found it really freeing um, to kind of put that behind me a little bit. Um, and yeah, move on to something new. <laughs> oh man, that's such a good way of thinking about it. I, I really, I really like that. And I'm so excited. I just can't wait for more Oscar Upperton. Oh my uh, gosh, it's so yeah. great. <laughs> hey, thank you so much, Oscar. Is there anything I've missed? Like, oh no. <laughs> oh good. I, really, you, really you, flattering. <laughs> as, as long as I haven't, you don't want, um, what do you call that thing in a debate? Like a right of reply. Actually. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to rebut any of your points. They've been too kind. <laughs> oh man! Hey, thank you so much. I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna turn the recorder off now. But um, okay. I'll I'll see you after the recorder. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank you.